We go to Christ, realizing that there is no higher authority than Him by which we can know the truth about the Bible. Christ alone is the authority. So many questions, so little time. When it comes to the Christian faith, we are called to answer many profound questions, both for ourselves and for those who ask us. Fortunately, there's a source of answers you can absolutely depend on, the Bible. Hello there, I'm Bill Wright, and today as Pastor Don Green teaches God's people God's Word, he begins an exciting series dealing with many of the most asked questions about Christianity. He's calling it simply, Key Questions Answered. And so, Don, what can we look forward to over the next few weeks? Well, Bill, this is a series that I preached before the founding of Truth Community Church. It answers basic questions that every Christian should know, like who is God, what is salvation, or what is the church. You'll have answers from Scripture, my friend, and an outline that's easy to remember and to be able to share it with others. Be ready to grow as you listen today on The Truth Pulpit. Today's question is, why do we believe the Bible? A very foundational issue. Here's Don in the Truth Pulpit. Why do we believe the Bible? I'm going to give you two words that answer that question for all time. Two words that tell you why we believe the Bible. Three syllables that explain it beyond all doubt. Those two words are Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is why we believe the Bible. Now, let me deal right up front with an objection that someone would make to that statement. You say Jesus Christ. Well, hold on a second. You know about Christ from the Bible itself. Isn't that a circular argument that you're making? You're pointing to your own authority to establish its own authority. The authority of what you say is based on the authority of the book that you say is authoritative. You're just running around in circles. This is not a legitimate way to argue. And it might seem presumptuous to do that. Someone might think, mistakenly, that we're simply saying, I'm right because I'm right. That's not the case here. This is completely different. Bruce Milne, theologian who's written a very helpful book called Know the Truth, says this, and you need to listen to this very carefully and understand what's going on here. Because we're talking about, we're talking about the issue of establishing final authority. How is it that we know what is true? What is ultimate authority? Anybody who makes a truth claim has a similar problem. And Bruce Milne says this, and I quote, he says, We note the difficulty of establishing a claim to ultimate authority except by reference to itself. Any other authority summoned to support our final authority would itself become the ultimate authority. Continuing on the quote, he says, In the final analysis, only God can be an adequate witness to himself. All other testimony, such as historical evidence or philosophical deduction, can at best 
possess only secondary value, end quote. You can't appeal to the course of history to establish ultimate authority. You can't bring the events of men to bear to establish God's testimony to himself. Only God is qualified. Only God has the measure of omniscience necessary to testify to himself. Men cannot testify with final authority to the reality of God or his authoritative book. We need something that transcends the human race if we're going to have a testimony that goes to a transcendent God. I was born in 1961. I'm not qualified. I wasn't there when time began. I wasn't there when Christ suffered on the cross. I wasn't there. We're all in a position of being dependent upon the witness of someone else. The whole concept of ultimate authority in itself is enough to humble us to realize that we need something outside of ourselves. It's not enough for you to say, well, I think such and such. As soon as someone says, well, I think science is better, or I think this is better, or I think what I feel is better, you're simply setting yourself up as the final authority because it all becomes down to what you think. You can't argue authority that way. Those of us who have our breath in our nostrils, who are a vapor in the wind, a puff of smoke soon to be gone from existence, our thoughts are going to be the measure of final absolute truth. Please, this is humbling. This is urgent. You see, the only way that you can get to the bottom of this issue is to ask who's the final authority? Who is it that knows? Who is it that has that position? I'm going to give you three points to help you understand this, and this is where we start. Point number one is that Jesus is the supreme authority. Jesus is the final authority. And I'd invite you to turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to survey several different biblical texts. We're going to start in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. John 13, verse 13 Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Uh, beloved, there's something really vital that is buried in that verse. We call Christ Lord. You're not a Christian if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, supreme God over all. Well, understand something really important. Christ is our Lord. He's Lord over our conduct. We kind of get that. We understand that. But Christ is also our teacher. He is our authoritative teacher. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus finished his words. And it says that the crowd was astonished at his teaching because he taught them not as the scribes did, but he taught as one having authority. You see, when Jesus teaches, he teaches as one having absolute authority. He is our teacher. He has authority as our teacher. And that means this, that our responsibility as Christians is not only to line up our conduct with what he tells us to do, but it is our responsibility as Christians to line up the way that we think under the way that he teaches us. 
He is Lord over our thoughts. He is Lord over our philosophies. He is Lord over our arguments. Everything that we do must be brought into subjection, brought under the authority of Jesus Christ, and that includes the way that we think about ultimate authority. What the standard of truth is, we don't rely on our own judgment. We realize that sometimes we forget to tie our shoes we forget to turn the oven on or off. We forget and leave our drinks on top of the car and drive away. We do all kinds of silly little things in details like that that are a manifestation of our human weakness before you even get to the fact that our minds are impaired by sin. If we can't remember to tie our shoes... If we forget to lock the door when we leave for church, sorry to plant that thought in your mind. If we can't do little things like that to perfection, how in the name, I say it reverently, how in the name of God are we going to be fit to judge issues of ultimate truth that so completely transcend our existence? We need an outside authority. And Jesus Christ is our teacher. He is the one to whom we look for truth. He said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He said in John 17, 17, praying to his Father, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus knows. And he's our teacher. And so we ask him in dependence, Lord, I am so weak and frail and sinful. I am mortal. Would you make plain what truth is? And don't you think, don't you think that if Christ went to all of the trouble to leave heaven in order to achieve the incarnation for the sake of purchasing our redemption on the cross. Don't you think that he would somehow manage to communicate to the human race an authoritative word of truth that could be relied on absolutely without resorting to probability arguments? Course! 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 He's our teacher and our Lord, and so we look to him. Now... Having said that, that's our Christian position. Let's remember what Scripture says about him. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, just after Corinthians and Galatians. Ephesians chapter 1. And here is where, beloved, you have to know your own position. Paul is praying for those who were his readers and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He says, <laughs> he says, I understand that you kind of grope around in darkness without divine help, so I'm praying that God would help you. I'm praying that, that your eyes would be open, that you would understand. You know, we talk about, oh, I see the answer to that math problem. He's not talking about literal physical sight. He's talking about the understanding of the mind. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? See, there it is, those who believe. This is our position. This is what belongs to us. This is the defining moment of reality for us, is what Paul's praying about right here. He says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. Aha, our teacher and Lord here. What does he have to say about Christ here? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, watch this, verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. The magnificence of that statement about who Christ is has massive implications for what we're talking about. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone stands in a position of unparalleled, unapproachable authority. He is the authority on truth. He is the authority on the universe. He is the authority on the human heart. And so, when it comes to asking the question, why do we believe the Bible, understand this, beloved, we go to Christ, realizing that there is no higher authority than Him by which we can know the truth about the Bible. Christ alone is the authority. And you know, incidentally, just by common thinking, you know, you ever stop to think that the, the, the unique authority of Christ is expressed in the fact that we measure time by Him. He's the dividing line of time before Christ and after Christ. Now, I know that academics are trying to erase that from common parlance, but that's their problem, not ours. We measure time by this one. We go and we find that His body is not in His tomb. This man who, who defines time, this man who transcended death, has more than adequately expressed to us his authority to tell us what is true. And so when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're coming to the best, the highest, the surest, the most infallible authority, the only infallible authority that there is. And we pity those who reject his authority because we understand that they are in darkness. We pity those who reject the authority of Christ and presume to speak on matters of absolute truth because we understand that they are mere blind guides leading blind men into the pit. We're not going to be intimidated into silence by such ones. We're not going to be confused or deceived by such false philosophies. We transcend it all because we go to Christ and say, what did he say? You see, beloved, talking to you as believers in Christ, knowing that some of you still need to come to him for salvation, knowing that some of you are still in that darkness, but speaking as a whole, speaking as a group to those who are Christians, building you up, not worrying about what the naysayers say. Understand this, beloved. 
understand this, that when we ask the question, why do we believe the Bible, we do not start with, what do I think about the Bible? How does it seem to me the truth of Scripture should be explained or defended? Because as soon as you say that, as soon as you approach it that way, even if you're not consciously thinking that way, you're saying, what do I think? You're putting yourself in the place of authority. That's not our place. We're not the teacher. We're not the Lord. We want to go and ask Him and let that settle it for us. Because Jesus Christ is the supreme authority. What did Jesus say? John 10, 35, Jesus said, The Scriptures cannot be broken. The one who created the universe says this word cannot be violated. That establishes its authority. What else did Jesus say? Look at the book of Matthew, chapter 5. I alluded briefly to the Sermon on the Mount. But in Matthew, chapter 5, verse 17... Jesus is looking at the whole corpus of literature that we know as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, with little bits of Aramaic sprinkled in there as well. Here he is, the Son of God in human flesh on earth. Ha! That would have been a great moment to see. What did he say? He started teaching, and it was at variance with what their current scribes were saying. And they wondered if maybe Jesus was trying to teach something different from their authoritative scriptures. And he addresses that concern in verse 17 when he says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, notice how he speaks on his own first person singular authority. Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Scriptures can't be broken. When he talks about the smallest letter or stroke of the law, he's talking about the equivalent of our dotting an I or crossing a T. Scripture is so perfect. It is so absolute in its authority. It is so absolute in its certainty that there won't be a single T that's left uncrossed from everything that God has said. Not one! Not one. That's what Jesus said. This one who is high above all authority, not only now but in all the ages to come, says this is what's true about Scripture not a bit of it's going to be violated. Whoa. Look over at a separate gospel in Luke chapter 24. I want you to see these passages with your own eyes and not just take my word for it. If we were going to state the title of this message differently, it could be Jesus teaches about the authority of the Bible. We could have defined it that way, but that would have messed up the question format I wanted to use, so we can't do that. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. 24, verse 44. This is after his resurrection. 
shortly before his ascension back into heaven from whence he came. He's speaking to disciples, and he says in verse 44, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Look again, beloved. Look at the first person singular. My words, what I spoke, I was with you. It's all about his authority. He's not appealing to somebody else to independently verify him. He doesn't need it. He stands alone in unchallenged supremacy as he speaks these magnificent words. And he said, this is what I said to you. All things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. There is a divine necessity, is what the word means. There is, a, there is a divine certainty. It is absolutely necessary and cannot deviate from the fact that everything that was written about Christ in the law of Moses, in the writings, and in the Psalms would be fulfilled to perfection. He says it has to be that way. And it has to be that way, Jesus says, because I said so. That is breathtaking authority. That's what our authority said about the Scriptures. Jesus is the final authority. There is no other. There is no one in the realm of the realm of the realm of the realm. He stands alone in perfect authority over all things, including what the truth is and including in the way that we are to view Scriptures. And so we look to Christ and say, what did Jesus say about this book? And he said, perfect, absolute fulfillment down to crossing the T and dotting the I. There won't be anything missing. That's the way that God designed it. It must be this way. That's what the final authority says. Think about it. Think about it in light of the supremacy of Christ and ask yourself this question. Jesus has spoken and declared what is true about the Word of God. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to go to some assistant professor of history at Harvard and let him contradict Christ? Are we going to let some waffling seminary professor cause us to undermine our confidence in the Word of God? No. No. No, no, listen, listen. Every one of them, secular or in the so-called realm of Christianity, every one of them has an appointment with destiny whereby, according to Philippians chapter 2, they themselves will bow the knee to Christ and say that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ had authority before time began. He has authority now. And every living man who has ever lived will bow before and say, Yes, you are Lord. We get to say it, as it were, voluntarily now. They'll say it under the compulsion of force. But the point for us as we contemplate the authority of Scripture and why we believe the Bible is, is that this one to whom all will bow has said the Scriptures cannot be broken. The Scriptures must be fulfilled. Not a letter will pass away. That settles it. We could close in prayer right here, but I've got 
a lot more in my notes to go. You see, that's the broad look at it. That's enough. But blessed be God that as you pursue the study of the Scripture, as you pursue the words of Christ, you can understand that you can break it into details, that you can see this with even greater clarity. And so we said, first of all, Jesus is the final authority. Now we say, okay, we have in our English Bibles what we call the Old and the New Testament. Did Jesus say anything about them in particular, or was it just a general statement that he made? Today on The Truth Pulpit, Pastor Don Green has begun to answer the question, why do we believe the Bible? We learned that Jesus is the final authority. But Don will give you two more important points to consider next time. So be sure to join us as we continue the series, Key Questions Answered. Right now, though, Don's back here in studio with some closing thoughts. Well, my friend, today I have an opportunity to offer you something for free that goes beyond what we've done on our radio broadcast. It's a 10-message CD album titled The Bible and Roman Catholicism. It's a series I recently completed at Truth Community Church, taking Scripture and evaluating what Catholics teach and believe about the Pope, about Mary, about the Mass, and about the whole nature of salvation. It's a resource that you really need to have in your hands, either for yourself or for your friends and loved ones, to know how to interact with them. And it's available for free at the place that Bill's going to point you to right now. Thanks, Don. And friend, just visit thetruthpulpit.com and click on Radio Offers for all the information. That's thetruthpulpit.com. I'm Bill Wright, and we'll see you again next time as Don Green continues in his ministry of teaching God's people God's Word from the Truth Pulpit. Truth Pulpit.